Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. From the palmetto swamps, to the piney woods, to the oak flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. All right, everybody, it is opening day of the 2020 season, and this is episode 49 of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, presented by Relentless Boats. And uh, Kyler and I are here, but we have two guests today, uh, Mr. Michael Pepper. What's up, Michael? How you doing? But So I'm actually at Michael's place, and we're hunting together uh, these couple of days. And then we have Mason Spillman on with us for this episode, and I'm going to tell you a little bit uh, more about Mason and uh, let him introduce himself in a minute. But as always, just a reminder that our podcast is uh, presented by Relentless Boats, a a local boat builder in Louisiana. Check them out at relentlessboatsla.com. And, um, you know, just really encouraging uh, everyone to go check out the dealer network that Relentless is is building. And, And right now, uh, things have gone so well that uh, unfortunately they're not able to take any more custom orders for the remainder of the year. But you can still pick up a relentless boat at one of the dealers all across the South and um, Louisiana made and uh, great boats. And just you know, follow along and check them out. Support the state and our local outdoor manufacturers. That's Relentless Boats and RelentlessBoatsLA.com. So Kyler, um, we're all just getting out of the woods. Actually, it's like. 8.30 at night on opening day, and you'll be hearing this on the second day of the season, but um, how was your hunt? Man, I finally did it. I finally killed something on opening day. Took a long time. <laughs> finally. <laughs> oh, you did? You So you, you just waited to tell us this after I hit record? We had no idea about this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been on – I put it on – I put it on my – my Facebook and stuff. I don't post a lot of my personal stuff on Louisiana Bowhunter, but, uh, but yeah, I shot a doe today um, on public land and uh, went through, crossed um, about a 900-yard swamp, um, which we, like, barely got across it in knee boots. And uh, this swamp butted up against a real nice oak flat transition area and um, had a good wind for it. And got set up kind of late around like 6 20 is like practically first light <clears throat> and at 7 34 uh you know when you you know when you, you thought you saw something but then you look and there's nothing there and you look away for about five seconds and all of a sudden there's freaking three deer standing out in the open like they just took a portal that's what happened i had three does come in and they hung out behind a tree and um i was like you know what one of y'all is going down, and uh, I shot her, and uh, she went about 60 yards. I gave her till about 10:30, climbed down, and then dragged her back across the swamp, which was pretty hairy. Um, and then we went and hunted. I hunted the same stand this evening, didn't see anything, but my buddy was hunting with me. He saw nine 
on public, and then this evening all I saw was a coyote. So it might be a morning spot. But uh, great hunt, man. A good day, you know, going in, first time hunting area, pretty much pointing on the map saying I'm going to kill a deer right there. And, and you do. It's fun. It's a blast, man. What about y'all? Well, um, I, like I said, I'm hunting with Michael Pepper, and y'all remember – michael from uh an episode of the podcast last year we had him on we talked a lot about scent control and just some of the ways that he hunts and and how he utilizes scent control and he's been very successful um and a uh you know a longtime follower of the louisiana bowhunter community so um i'm actually filming michael so I, i michael i guess we had a good hunt i mean we saw deer we saw a nice buck that was one of the target bucks that he was uh after and we didn't get a shot so um i don't know a whole lot about the setup other than i just walked in there and did what michael told me to do so <laughs> but it worked out pretty good the wind was good it was a beautiful afternoon we yeah we saw him at least yeah we we did see him and we had him pretty much in bow range but michael is uh pulling a collar and doing the uh uh how did Kyler put it um the most fun i never want to have again and he's trying to hunt oh, re- recurve <laughs> yeah yeah you're gonna regret that oh no oh no so uh <laughs> so we saw we saw a really nice buck that he's been watching all summer and and um he came in there like he was supposed to but just um in all fairness even with a compound he was in range but he was never in an opening where he could have gotten a shot and he slipped off at dark but yeah it was a good hunt so you know um good way to kick off the season and we'll mm-hmm. be back after him tomorrow. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. So, um, so I mentioned we have uh, Mason Spillman is going to be our guest today. And Mason is a game warden in the state of Louisiana. And I'm about to bring Mason into the conversation. Before I do that, we want to say and, and just kind of give you guys a, a kind of a brief update about what's going on with Scree. Uh, Scree Extreme Mountain Gear or Extreme Whitetail Gear in our case um, you've heard us talk about them a lot on the podcast, and right now they're offering 20% off all of their whitetail bundles uh, through the middle of October. So um, uh, that is, they have an early season bundle, and they have uh, a late season bundle, and then they have an extreme all season bundle, which would basically be every layer. So Scree being a performance layering system, um, there's lots of pieces to that system. So you know, it's a great time if you. If you're hunting this weekend and you decide, you know what, I just got to get some new gear, go check them out at screegear.com and uh, instant savings, 20% off all bundles, and you get a free Scree t-shirt with any purchase um, right now while supplies last. So uh, just really appreciate their support of the podcast and wanted to kind of pass that down to all our listeners and uh, let them know. Can I add a testimonial real fast? Yeah, you can. Go ahead. fresh. All right, so I have five camo patterns on right now. Okay, five. It's like a quilt, then. I am, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I I have five camos on. I have no shame, and um, but I do have my scree. Uh, uh, I can't remember the, the the series name of it, but the the um, merino wool top. Kayabab. Um Yeah, sure. And uh, I love this damn thing. And so I told you, I walked like 900 yards across the swamp. I drug a doe out. I walked back and back again with all my stand. And this was one of those days where it heated. It was like 53 in the morning and it heated up to 80 something in midday. And I never one single time today got that horrible wet, hot slash cold sweating through my cotton shirt sensation. And, and I, it, I guess the best thing I can say about it is that, it has made me never think about my layering system ever again. Like I'll put it on. Yeah. And I never think about it ever again. Like that's, that's yeah. how I, that merino, so I love it. I love this stuff. Merino wool is the answer for, for breathability, insulation, all of that stuff. And I, I guess uh, one more thing I keep saying, we're going to bring Mason on and we keep talking. That's just what we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we were, we were filming, uh, this afternoon. So I'm up in the tree with Michael and, um, uh, the first deer we saw were, uh, a big doe and she had a couple of, uh, fawns that were starting to lose their spots and they they fed around in front of us and when they got to the right side i couldn't see them because basically they were behind the tree from me and uh, after they finally fed off and left he turned around and looked at me and he said thank god we're wearing this scree camo because that that doe looked right through my soul that's great for a commercial. 
<laughs> so I couldn't see her, but yeah, apparently she she went over there and the, the little ones were nursing on her and she had him pegged, but uh, oh yeah, but uh, we were Dead hitting rights. we were hitting good. So anyway, let's get Mason on. Yeah, let's let's do all right. So Mason, are you there, buddy? I'm here. Have you listened to all the bullshit long enough? You ready to talk? Look, man, y'all are such good advertisers. Y'all got me as a believer of screed. I've never put my fingers on. <laughs> so Mason is a is a Louisiana game warden, and I'm saying this very um, like I'm just saying Louisiana game warden because I don't want to I don't want to title you incorrectly. So tell us, you know, I guess officially exactly what you do and and what part of the state you work in and all that. Yeah, I'm a. Uh... Uh, my rank is sergeant, so I'll be Sergeant Mason Spillman. I work in Region 7, District A, which is uh, compiled of East and West Feliciana, East Baton Rouge, and Ascension Parishes, along with the eastern side of Everville Parish that's on the, uh, the eastern side of the river. So okay. um, that that's the district I work in. Region 7 also extends out to Washington Parish, but I don't really cross the Amy River. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so how, uh, Sergeant how- Spillman. How long? You, how long you been doing this? I uh, just made six years. Uh, the beginning of August, so a little over six years. It feels like a year, but uh, it's it. Everything flies when you're having fun, I guess. I guess so. So um, one of the things, uh, not one of the things, kind of the main thing that Kyler and I talked about when we um, came up with this week's episode and we wanted to uh, to have you on was we thought it would be kind of a cool idea to approach the conversation about opening weekend from the perspective of a game warden because i'm sure of of all the days throughout the year this this has got or i I don't want to say days i want to say weekends because we're really kind of talking about opening weekend being that the season opens on a thursday this year but this has got to be one of the busier times of 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 the year i would assume in your world yeah it is uh you talk about the the crit on kid on christmas morning sensation and i get that you know, with work, I get at times too with work and as a hunter myself. Yeah. You know, I woke up this morning and I couldn't go to, couldn't go hunt, but uh, I knew that I was gonna, you know, have have some consistent things going on at work and and uh, you know we we kind of do get slow towards the end of the summer after dove season. So it, it's always nice to wake up with that that crisp weather and, and knowing that might get into something today. And so uh, yeah, we love it. It kicks off our hunting season. Uh, we'll be pretty much bowed up from now till the middle of February and get another little break until turkey season in April. So uh, today today is one of those days that that I think most every game warden dreams of. Really? So what so what are the what's going on, I guess? I mean, the, the obvious is is just more hunters in the woods and, and kind of the start of the season and all that, but what are you guys, from a preparation standpoint or expectation standpoint, what's different about opening weekend as opposed to middle of the season? Man, it, it really just all kind of starts. You know, we're, we're on the summer. I mean, we're on the water uh, during the summer on vessel patrols, and it's it's hot, and it's, you know, everybody's everybody's having a good time and drinking, and, and you gotta you got to be the bad guy. And um, most of us are avid hunters. So a few weeks before bow season starts, the complaints will start rolling in about, you know, so-and-so is hunting illegally or so-and-so is not going to get a license this year. I kicked this guy out of my club last year, and that's where he's hunting this year, and that's what he's doing. So we've kind of been <laughs> in that groove for a couple of weeks, um, just, you know, compiling complaints, figuring out where we're going to work, when these complaints are going to, you know, take place or, or you know, form as a, as a uh, actual crime, if that's what's going to happen. So, um Usually this morning I we I woke up I actually worked a complaint last night and then woke up uh, this morning and had a couple little things to go look at um, on some things that some people had told me and 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 also just went and went and checked hunters that I didn't have complaints on uh, went up to Tunica WMA and um, on a few little private clubs around and and mainly just talking to people seeing uh, what they got on camera how how they uh, how they planting this year you know just kind of getting back in the groove of it but also you know checking licenses and, and, and deer things like that so it's the the, the opening weekend is or, or the opening day is is the best because you actually get to go and, and act upon these things you've been hearing for a few weeks but it kind of does start in the middle of september once the phone phone calls start piling in so y'all really get that many complaints like and, and oh, you have yeah. to follow up do you 
do you have an obligation to follow up on them? Yeah, we do. Is their Um, choice? Yeah, no, I mean, we don't don't really have a choice. A a lot of times, uh, I would say 90% of the time, my complaints come directly to me on my cell phone from people that I know or, you know, mutual friends of, of, from people that I know. Um, I get called. I, I probably have 20 phone calls a day from either people I know or people I don't know that got my number somehow. And uh, a lot of them are complaints. A lot of them are questions. But, um, yeah, we do get a lot of complaints. And, and, and I, said, I said we have to look at all of them. There, there's some things that you can – you can make a judgment on as soon as you hear it, you know, so you can, you can tell the people that, you know, are actually calling in a, a valid complaint and the ones that are just upset because they were kicked out of a hunting club last year. And, and, and you still would look at those things, but you kind of got to, you know, learn how to learn how to take what yeah. people are telling you and the situation the people are in. I, I was going to ask you if you get a lot of vindictive complaints. Karen calls. Um, yeah, my kids yeah, would Karen say Karen calls because my wife was telling me a story at the dinner table the other night about some woman at the doctor's office she was on the phone with that was being just ridiculous and whatever. And my my son pipes up and goes, "What a Karen!" Guess that's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we do get that. It's kind of like I mentioned, you know, every year it's it's somebody was was kicked out of a hunting club over something not even illegal just a, a, a dumb club rule or just got into it with the with the president and it, it never fails they call and the president of that club's doing this and this and, and you know we look at it because you never know who's telling the truth and who's not um a lot of times the it's it's the latter it's it's just someone calling a complaint because they're you know they feel slighted but we do make we do make uh cases off of off of just random phone calls like that um so That's yeah, it's 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 fifty fifty. You kind of have to take them with a grain of salt, but in the same sense, think to yourself: now, what if this is really going on? And and they yeah. told me about it. I can't just turn a blind eye to it. So yeah. you got to put a little work into it, just to make sure that that whatever's going on it isn't true. Well, what um what made you want to get into this, Mason? I wanted to do it my whole life. So my my dad was a Louisiana game warden, and um. You know the the kind of the thought around game wardens is you don't make any money and and I, it's it was true back when my dad did it and I, I remember being a little kid, you know, talking to my dad. I'm I'm talking five or six years old. He asked me, "What do you want to do when you be big? When I when you get big?" And I I said, "I want to be a professional baseball player." And he said, "Well, if that doesn't work out, you need another plan." I said, "Well, I want to be a game warden like you." And he said, "You can do anything in the world, son, but you can't be a game warden. We just don't make enough money." And uh, since then, it was kind of almost like a rebellious thing that I was going to do it whether he wanted me to or not. And um, I went to LSU and um, kind of was trying to find my way on what I wanted to do. And and I I didn't even tell my dad. I called one of his friends that he worked with and uh, said, hey, look, I want to be a game warden. I can't get it off my mind. Um, Whatever you can do to help me, just just let me know. And and, uh, he set me up. It's Mr. Brian Clark. And – I'm eternally grateful for him and and uh, former Colonel Joey Broussard for helping me out. Um, when my dad found out, he just kind of laughed at me, but I think he's I think he's more proud of me now than ever. So that's well, that's, that's kind of my man. story on why. That's really cool. I mean, it's to me, it's it's awesome to know that someone that's serving in a public servant role feels like they you know they are in their calling. It, it, it just it feels good to know that that someone working in your role has that kind of passion about their job because you know you yeah man it's a um i grew up my, like i said my dad was a game warden i've got other family members in law enforcement so i've kind of always had that servant in me and um i didn't when i first got to college i didn't think i wanted to be a, a police officer or a, even a public servant I actually went in uh, in engineering so uh but i think you know just like those things that that happen if it's in you it's going to come out and uh it, it came out and I did what I wanted to do, and I'm I'm so proud. I wouldn't I wouldn't want another job for anything. It's awesome. So I would imagine. I guess let's 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 talk a little bit more about the the here and now. I would imagine, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember having better weather on an opening day in a long God, time. It's wonderful, isn't it? I agree. I, <laughs> this is. I mean we usually don't get this right here until about the third week of October, and then it comes and goes. 
and then it, that's right it goes away and gets hot again so you mentioned that that y'all spent some time today out you know just uh talking with people and stuff so what what do you uh what do you what did you see and hear about uh success i would imagine with these temperatures and, and this uh high pressure that people are finding some success yeah um actually the, the first first thing that i i heard when i woke i worked late last night so i didn't wake up till till probably eight o'clock this morning and um the first thing I heard was a text from a friend of mine. I'll, I'll shout him out, Colby Sykes. He killed a, a good deer in West Louisiana Parish that he had had uh, on camera for a few weeks now and had it had it pretty much pinned down on when it was going to come out. Sent me a picture of it. Pretty sure it's a nine point, pretty wide. Had some. You, uh, had some you want to hear something? Off, so. Something really funny about that because I, I I talked to Colby a little bit earlier today. Oh, did yesterday? You? Yesterday. He posts on his Facebook, on Facebook. <laughs> looking for a taxidermist. taxidermist. I've got one like tied to a tree. I'm going to seal the deal in opening morning. Yep. Okay. Yep. He's that's free, pretty strong. Researching taxidermist. <laughs> that's pretty strong. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Look, yeah. he called me last week. It must have been, and, and told me he had a good deer. He didn't send me pictures, and I don't blame him, but that he had had a good deer, and um, just was just was making sure on a few few different little rules and. Um, he said, man, I'm going to kill him the first day. He's, I mean, he's coming out every day at the same time. He's eating the same corn pile and he has for a couple of weeks. So yeah, he, uh, I saw that yesterday. I said, man, he might be getting a little too aggressive with this. And uh, when I woke up this morning, he, he had sent me a picture of it. So that was the first thing I woke up to. And I went out and I checked a few guys on, on Tunica wildlife management area up in Northern West Louisiana parish. And, um, a few had seen some deer and a few hadn't. That's just kind of how it goes on Tunica. Uh, from what I saw, there was no uh, no kills up there this morning unless it was real early or, or after I went. And uh, then I went to a few private clubs that, that I knew that the, the, the members bow hunt on and stopped. And um, two or three of them, no one was there. But I did talk to some guys at two different clubs and same kind of thing. One or two people saw deer. The other two didn't. But... Man, the weather was so nice uh, last night and, and into this morning when I was working. That that wind was blowing a little bit. I just I just knew that that somebody was going to kill a deer. Yeah, I I I can imagine a lot a lot of daylight movement on, with this, this kind yeah. of weather pattern. That's it's it's kind of surprising to me to hear about the guy. I, and I saw the the post on on Facebook and stuff too with Colby. But uh, that deer was mostly velvet, wasn't he? Yeah, he was he was hanging off. That's you know, pretty the, the velvet was hanging off of it. Yeah, and and typically it's the afternoon where you're gonna kill a buck early season. You right. know, it's, it's yep. kind of right. the it's a to me that it kind of struck me a little different. The typically all these guys that have you know done their scouting and they got a deer uh, kind of figured out. It's usually that opening afternoon, which is yeah. what Michael and I were trying to do with with one of his spots. It where almost been, happened. It almost happened, but. Uh, <laughs> He just a uh, man. I got one. I think it's pinned down. I think I sent y'all a picture of it earlier. But uh, he's. I, I don't want to jinx myself, but he's he's doing the same thing every day. So yeah, well, I'll be you. after him early in the morning and, and tomorrow evening, and probably for the next four or five days. So well, it's uh, the weather's going to stick with us, and that's a good thing. I know. I know. So It'll be nice. So what what are some of the I guess more. I, I don't know. It, it, we're talking about opening weekend as opposed to the rest of your your deer season. What are some of the common trends and things that you see? Maybe from the stupid to the to maybe even the smart or or whatever. Just kind of trends that you see happen every year that seem to always happen on opening weekend that you don't experience throughout the rest of the year, or not as much of. It's just kind of the getting back into it, you know. Uh, especially opening weekend a boat, you know. A lot of times especially opening weekend a gun you you'll everyone you check won't be wearing their hunters orange so boat during bow season you don't have to wear it so that's kind of a a thing that doesn't come around till gun but you still do get the people you know in 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 area six right now you can only kill a you can't kill a doe until the 16th and and we didn't we didn't hear or see that today but you know some people will kill a doe uh before then just and and a lot of times it's just honest mistake but we have a job to do and then you know there's rules for reasons and so we, we'll deal with that and, and uh, maybe somebody didn't remember to print out their tags or uh, just kind of 
you really don't see too much of the too much of the real serious crimes the night hunting and the and the road hunting spotlighting kind of things this early just really because of the weather um actually i'm looking outside right now it's a pretty bright moon and probably be a good night to work some night hunters but uh I think the weather has a lot to do with those big things. So mainly early in the season, what I'm getting at is, is it's really a lot of, of, you know, minor things that we can warn about and um, just kind of educating the public back again, getting back in the swing of things. I would imagine. So uh, I guess uh, a little bit of uh, I thought of this while you were talking is a little bit of a backstory to it. Like, so today, this afternoon was the first time I've gotten it in a tree at all. I, uh, other than just climbing up and checking a few straps and stuff and, and and I'm running camera, so I've obviously got a, a bunch of stuff to do to get up there and get it all set. And I, I thought to myself at one point, I, I, I didn't have any mishaps or anything stupid, but I thought, man, I'm rusty. You know, like I hadn't yeah. done this in so long. I'm yeah. hanging all this stuff off the tree, and I'm trying to make sure I'm being safe and all this kind of stuff. So I, how, how often do you guys get involved in, in basically, I don't want to use the term rescue, but having to get involved with helping somebody out because they just did something stupid or found themselves in a bad spot. Yeah, we, we investigate hunting accidents, um, whether it's accidental discharge of firearms, um, falling from a tree stand, really any of those things. Uh, we have guys around the state, multiple guys around the state that are certified, um, hunting accident investigators. And they, they went to a couple week long school, I think in Georgia or Florida and, learned all kind of different things about it i'm i'm not one of those but um it's it's really not very as common as you would think and that may be because the whoever is injured is either it's not as major as you know maybe they're embarrassed and it was just a minor fall and they they broke a finger or something or or if it is bad you know maybe they just call the ambulance right away and it never really gets reported to us um but we don't Man, knock on wood, and I don't, I don't want to jinx anything, but where, where I'm at, we don't deal with that too, too much. And, and I definitely understand what you're saying from climbing up in a tree and kind of feeling rusty. You know, <laughs> yeah. the thing, way things have been going this past year with, with everything going on, I, I kind of feel the same way. I'm a little nervous about jumping up in one tomorrow. Yeah. But uh, comes back pretty yeah, quick. It's, 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 not, it's not too, uh, too common. So, so kind of along the same lines of what Locke, uh, Locke just asked you, um, is there anything that you're not allowed to do in your role for liability reasons? No. Like if somebody um, gets hurt I mean, or something like that? No, we're certified first responders. Now, uh, with that being said, we're not, we're not EMS or doctors, but, you know, um, first aid for sure, CPR, uh, we, we, we carry tourniquets, you know, uh, no, if, if, I mean, if there's something going on in the woods, we're usually going to be the first people there and, and with the best means to get to wherever it is, uh, usually is, is far and deep in the woods. So, um, no, so what, we'll render what aid if, and, and what would y'all do if somebody, I don't know, say somebody was in Tensaw or well, in your area, Tunica, and their four-wheeler broke a tie rod or they ran out of gas and they called y'all. How would y'all handle that? So um, a lot of times they'll call 911 and it'll go to the sheriff's office. Uh, and, and I live in West Feliciana Parish and Tunica's in West Feliciana, so we have a good relationship with the sheriff's office. They would call us directly normally, the, the sheriff's office would, or, or the deputy. And, um, normally on something like that, if it was just an equipment malfunction, we might could see if we could, you know, I'd bring my four wheeler out there and see if I could pull it back to the road and, and help them get it back on the truck or, or maybe just, you know, allow them to leave it out there and, and just get them out and, uh, and, and deal with getting the four wheeler out later. But, you know, our main concern is, is, is human safety. And, um, you know, if we can't get a four wheeler out, but we can get the human out, we're just going to go ahead and get get them out of there and, and we can deal with the rest later gotcha okay because I, I had um as kind of an analogy to that um the coast guard which i I've, obviously y'all aren't affiliated like if you run up on a sandbar in venice the coast guard mm-hmm. will watch you and make sure that you're okay but they're not going to tie up to you and put right. you off for liability right and so and i was I just wondering something like you that. know the liability aspect of that uh i work on a on a boat from from may to all from may to september so 
we deal with a lot of those things uh, down on Lake Marpaul, you know, broken down boats and things like that. You know, we're here to help people. We're here to serve people. So, you know, if we get a call and someone's broken down or in need of assistance, we'll, we'll pull them back. There's there's no no problem with that. We, we're trained on towing vessels and, and uh, the sheriff's offices down there, Livingston and Citroen Parish Sheriff's Offices are the same way. So uh, we're not we're not in the business of leaving somebody high and dry and just just kind of saying good luck. We, we're definitely going to help out whenever needed. Sure. So, I, okay, so I'm 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 circling back around to something you said a while ago because I've been thinking about it since you said it, and and this might come across as naive or stupid on my part. But you mentioned you said you were looking outside and it was you know we got such a bright moon. You said it would be a good night to to be out on patrol with the night hunters thing. Is that really that big of a thing that you guys are 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 just like looking for night. I mean, it's, it's always an open open season type thing for you. It's really that big of a thing. Now, um, it's obviously not that big of a thing in the summertime and in the, in the warmer months. Although it does does happen. Um, but in, in the in the winter time during the hunting season, a little before and a little after, there's going to be somebody working all night long, and and you know either working a complaint or working a. a a highly traveled area at night where you know where maybe we've made cases before but yeah it, it's a thing um we we deal with it every year um I, I don't know in our district we probably make on average of six or seven night hunting cases uh hunting season so um, in your opinion just based off of your interaction with these people what it i mean what would you say is the the primary motivation for people that obviously we've all heard the stories about people that just continue to do this this stupid stuff and you know obviously you got your your i'm sure you have your cases where it's uh a couple of guys that are maybe out drinking or goofing off and they're doing something they wouldn't normally do because they're just you know having making a night of it but you got these guys that i'm I'm sure you we've all heard they they make a living out of this stuff what i mean what have you i guess in your mind like what have you kind of come up with as the motivation for this like why do guys do this yeah man we call those people this kind of people job security uh i don't if i knew the answer to it i might could fix it uh i think in my mind it's a little bit of thrill it's a little bit of um you know caught me once now i learned how you caught me so you're not going to catch me again kind of thing um you know, I, I, I've never run across someone that, that was night hunting, spotlighting deer off the road that was that was hungry, you know. I've never run across someone that was in need of the meat that much that they were going to go shoot a deer off the road. It's, like you said, a lot of times it's some guys um, maybe from out of town that, you know, live in the city and out, out at the camp drinking a few beers and want to go ride around and make a poor decision. Uh, we run across that a decent amount. Uh, other times it'll be 17, 18, 19 year old kids doing the same thing that are, you know, maybe local or, or from around the area. Um, I, I think, I think the main attraction to that is, is the thrill. Um, like I said, you know, we don't have in, in where I work, we don't have the people that quote unquote make a living out of it, but that we do have repeat offenders and we, you know, we have people that, that don't stop and do it again and again. And, um, but it's not like they're in need of the food. It's not like they're selling the meat. It's just they want to. I guess they just want to see if they can outsmart us, and I'm sure they do a lot of the times. But but uh, when they don't, when we 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 can finally catch them, we you know we make sure to handle it to the full extent of the law. So when y'all are out looking for them, are y'all using those robotic deer? It's like trying to essentially entice them, or are y'all just looking for activity, spotlights, and gunshots? Man, I've I've been on six years, and I, I may have worked the the robotic deer two or three times. That's we have it at our disposal. Um, it's not a it's not a thing that is used a lot. That not not used often at all. I would say um, a lot of times it's you either get a complaint um, in rural areas. You'll get calls all the time. I heard a gunshot down this road the other night at one a.m. and so you know, uh, uh, a lot of times you'll you'll go sit on that on that complaint, and it might take you three or four weeks before something comes of it, and so, something may never come of it. I've I've worked a complaint yeah. on a road for the past three years, 
where I know people are night hunting, it's I, I get calls from it's not the same person calling me. It's it's everybody on the road calling, and and I go work it a lot, and I hadn't called anybody on it. Um, Interesting. It's it's just a it's just a time thing, and you know they're going when I'm not, and I'm going when they're not. So um, it'll it'll all work itself out in the end. But um, to your point about the the robotic deer, it's it's there for our use, but it's uh. We, we can we can catch people with we do catch people without that uh, a lot of times it's it's not a thing that is used very often have you have you ever have you ever had I'm, I'm sure this is way out of left field so y'all can thank me later um have you have you ever heard of somebody trying to shoot one of these things with a with a uh with a bow we do with with crossbows uh, i've never caught anyone night hunting with a well i've never caught anyone road hunting with a compound bow we do catch people that That'll go out uh, in the climbers and, and lock ons late at night with a with a light or a the the big thing now with with all the hog population control thing going on is, is these thermal scopes. You know you can you can stick a, a thermal scope on top of a crossbow and be dead silent. You know you can do it in a neighborhood or anywhere and, and, and never get seen. So we do see that from the road. And, and like I said, we we get the guys that'll go out in the middle of the night up in their in their lock ons or climbers. And, and bow hunt with a compound bow over a feed pile. So how many how many times do you get told, or how many times is the excuse tried to uh, be used that I, I'm just hunting hogs when you know good and well they're not? Yeah, a lot. Um, that happens a lot, and it's gonna it's gonna happen more now that that uh, the permits no longer required to hog hunt at night. And that's just one of those things we've got to adapt to and 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 figure out other ways to make to make deer night hunting cases and uh and we will but um to your question yeah we we get that a lot and there's there's things that that you can ask and 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 look for and see in plain view that that'll make you determine that it's they're not uh hog hunting i mean if someone's got uh doe estrus or a bleak can or uh, a grunt call or some rattles they're uh they're not hog hunting you know um and and that that's those things in their possession is not just a dead giveaway that they're deer hunting because it could just be in their hunting bag. But a lot of times when we find those things and you, you get to doing a little more questioning, then, then you you realize what they're really doing, even though you know the whole time what they're doing. Yeah, I've I've got a kind of a, a different direction to go in, or as far as questions go, because part of the reason why I was excited to talk to you is because. <clears throat> What's really interesting about wildlife officers, game wardens, is that there's people like me that have, and I, I really mean this, I have had nothing but good experiences in being stopped or being checked. And there's times that I've called you guys and, and said, hey, you need to look into this over here and you know, whatever. Not, and, and, and then you talk to somebody else and their opinion is you guys are scum of the earth and, and that you're out to get them specifically like, like, like you've been chasing their family tree their whole life, you know, for generations. And, and, yeah. and, and, it, and it's, it's so incredible to me because look, man, I, I've been in sales my whole life. So communication and, and, and trying to talk to people and be reasonable has gone so far with me that, when I hear somebody say, man, I hate a game warden, or I can't stand these guys, or they're all, I always get a ticket no matter what, the only thing I can think of is you probably earned a ticket, number one, and then he, and then he locked it down on you from your attitude. So right. my, my question is, is um, how do we approach you guys? What's the right way? Tell us. Man, look, there's, there's just over 200 of us in the state, and um... – I don't know. I don't know a bad apple in the crew. We, uh, you know, we're law enforcement officers, and and um, you, I, I would want someone to approach me like they've known me my whole life, and that we saw each other at the grocery store. That's how I treat people, um, especially with the, you know, with the way things are going in the law enforcement community right now in the world. Um, I, I find I find there's no reason to treat anyone with anything but respect. Um, I've written, I've brought people to jail that shook my hand and told me thank you when I dropped them off. Um, 
that's that's the way I operate. It's the way most of the guys I know operate. Um, so if if I was to give advice on that, I would say, man, just approach them like like another person. Uh, we're not boogeyman. Uh, we're not out to get anyone. If you're if you're breaking the law and, and you know we we determine that we're gonna we're gonna cite you or, or bring you to jail, then that's that's what it is. We got a job to do, and uh, we took an oath to protect and serve the Constitution. And um, there's there's no one that I have been or am out to get. Uh, I know people that consistently violate the law, so they're you know they're they're gonna get checked when when I see them. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times they're violating the law again, you know, and they, they get written a ticket. But I'm not going to – I'm also fair. I'm not going to write someone a, a fishing license ticket um, fishing with a cane pole in the Mississippi River and then see my, my high school classmate doing the same thing the next day without a license. I'm going to write them too or I'm going to give – use discretion on both of them and not write either one of them a ticket, give them a, a written or a verbal warning. So um, – I don't ever want anyone to, to feel like they're like, like a wildlife agent is unapproachable. Um, I think every one of us in the state are, are really good yeah. guys and girls and, and, and mean well, and just, just want to get our job done and talk to people and enjoy the outdoors just like everyone else. Well, so I, I've, I have been, I, I, I'll say, I, I don't get checked very often, which is funny because you talk to some people and they would, they treat it. They'll tell you that they get checked every time. They drive by at WMA, uh, don't even go into it. But I, I've been checked probably 10 times between hunting and fishing in my life, and um, I've never gotten a ticket. Two of those times, I was, after being, I don't want to say searched, that sounds kind of uh, harsh, but after, you know, being checked, um, I had uh, I had an offense. Um, one was a duck hunt in Sherburne. Do you know TJ Ashley? I sure do. Okay, TJ Ashley was college roommates with one of my one of my friends, well, now husbands. That's a long family tree line. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm at TJ at Section 120 in Sherwood, and I was coming back from a duck hunt, and um, I had and still have this bad habit of unloading the chamber of my shotgun, leaving two in the plug, and I'll put it back in my case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just bad habit, right? I don't, I don't necessarily think there's anything particularly dangerous about it, which is probably why I do it or justify doing it. But it's not legal, especially That's on right. public land. Not, not and, WMA. And and so I did it and didn't even think about it. Came, I pulled up to the launch. There's TJ, and I didn't know TJ at the time. We found out we knew some similar people through this inter- engagement. And I pulled up. I said, "Hey, officer, my name's Kyler. You know, what's your name?" And he said, hey, you mind if I check your boat? And he checked my ducks, checked the decoys, checked the boat, checked my license. And he's like, can I check your gun? I said, sure, sure thing. Took you out of the case. He goes, sir, you've got two shells in the tube. Um, you can't have that. And and I legitimately at the time, I didn't know it. I didn't know that. Um, and I also wasn't trying to like necessarily hide it per se. Right. And I was, I was genuine in the fact that he said, I'm very sorry. It won't happen again. Um, maybe, maybe in my mind, I kind of think of that as like a light offense, you know, no harm, no foul. It's not a huge deal. What's funny was right as we're going through this guy pulls up on the right side of section 120 in his boat, two kids pull up, kid jumps out, backs the truck down as fast as he can, puts the boat on the trailer as fast as he can, try to strap it down as fast as they can. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, and, and then TJ looks at me, he goes, hold on one second. And he goes over there. Same thing. Gun in case, two shells in the tube, wrote two tickets. And he told me that he told me that when he was done. And and it was that moment that I realized I said, My God, how how you approach another person means everything. First impressions everything. mean everything. Um and so, you know, I don't want to. I don't want you to like tell me like how, tell me the secret sauce to letting people off the hook. But if if you have made a, a true mistake, are you telling me that it matters greatly how the person you're checking takes that and like handles it and also handles their engagement with you? I'm gonna tell you this. 
that I, I've questioned uh, a lot of people for a lot of serious offenses. And the number one thing that I tell every one of them after I get done reading them, reading them their Miranda rights before I question them is that I don't want to be lied to. I'm not. If yeah. you tell me what yeah, you yeah. did, I'm not mad at you. I'm not. I'm not your mom and dad. I'm not here to to punish you or or, or yell or or raise my voice. I've got a job to do. Tell me what you did. We'll we'll determine the consequences and we'll be on our way. The lying and keeping me out there for hours at a time trying to get one little you know one little thing out of you it is what what drives me up the wall. And uh, and a lot of a lot of us are like that, you know. But if 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 you're doing something wrong from not having a uh, fire extinguisher on your boat, one of the most minor offenses to shooting a deer at night, selling the deer meat across state lines, you know, just just a compound of, of large offenses. Um, if you tell me the truth now, now I, I can give discretion on a minor offense and not on the selling deer across state lines on a deer shot sure. at night, but I can do what I can to, to help you out. I will denote in the report that you were, you know, that you were very, uh, you know, nice with me and cordial and, and told me right away what happened. And, and, uh, that goes a lot, a lot, uh, a long ways with prosecutors. So, um, but if you sit there and lie to me and, and, and I'm going to figure it out. Uh, a lot of times we learn this in our Academy. Um, if we ask you a question, we probably already know the answer to it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's in your best interest to, to tell the truth. Um, and, and if you do that with me, I'm going to, I'm going to give you what, what you, what you deserve. And, and, uh, and I'm going to denote my report about, you know, how you acted and that you were, you know, that you were very cordial, like, like I said, and, and that goes a long ways with prosecutors. We get to court and, and the, and the, the DA or the assistant DA says, look, what about this guy? And I'll say, you know, I'll tell him, man, you do what you do. This is your part of the job, but I'll let you know now he's a good guy. He, he messed up. He made a mistake, but, uh, he told me what he was supposed to do, what, what, what he did. And, and, um, and I, I've got, you know, got no qualms with it. Well, there's so there's something. There's a psychological term called the uh, Earth part of. <clears throat> it's named the P- Pinocchio effect, and mm-hmm. essentially, what it means is the harder you try and sell a lie, and the more you keep talking, 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 the, the more it obvious it is that you're lying. That's right. Um, whereas, whereas if you answer, not 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 that I'm like trying teach people how to lie but if you answer directly in short short sentences or short words or yes sir like no sir that's not you know i haven't done that sorry you think it or whatever it's much more believable um right and so i'm sure you probably had to go through that in some of your training because a lot of i don't know how much of your job is reading people and reading situations right a lot of it and and i don't know if it's if it's just so obvious that you know, anyone could see it if they were in my position or if I have a knack for reading people, but it's once you get to someone and, and, uh, you know, you, you have a reason to believe that they committed a crime and you, you let them know their rights. A lot of people, when they hear their Miranda rights, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say, blah, blah, blah. They, you know, they, they freeze up and, Oh, I'm going to jail. That's not what that means. All that means is these are your rights before I ask you any questions that, that, you know, you could, you could say something that, that would, uh, you know, that would make yourself, make yourself guilty. So, um, but when that happens, you you can tell right away that the forehead will start sweating. They'll start kind of clenching the fist and and the palms will be sweating. They'll, they'll pace. And it's, it's like night and day, you know, so it's easy to tell. Have you you ever, have you ever come across anybody where you're like, man, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, oh, yeah, a good a liar. Um, yeah, we deal we deal with with people that that have been in and out of jail for violent crimes, and um, you know they know the system. They know how to they know how to talk to to police in a way that that makes them believable, even though they're lying. And so, oh yeah, we I've dealt with that a bunch. Um, what's what's kind of I don't want to say the word easy, but what makes that aspect easier about my job is most of the violations we deal with are either young people that are just making mistakes or people that 
you know, good, decent people that, that just made an honest mistake. So, uh, we don't have to, we don't have to worry about that too, too much, but yes, we, we do see that a lot. You know, you'll tell yourself or tell the guy you're working with, like, man, he's, he's good. We're going to have to really, we're going to have to really question him. So I've got one last question. This is like, I don't do a whole lot of pre-prepared questions, but when Locke said that he, uh, he was going to have you on the, on the podcast. I was like, man, I've got so many things that I see people <laughs> like that are, that they either have their misconceptions or their misbeliefs. One of the things that I see that I think people are wrong on frequently is that quote unquote, a game warden has more authority than any other form of law enforcement. When I see that, my belief is that y'all have a larger jurisdiction, but y'all still are constrained if you will by the same law system legal systems of other departments am i correct there yeah you're correct uh we do have a couple the the whole they can kick open your door and search anything without a warrant is on a technical sense true now that would never happen that's not how we operate and it's so easy to get a search warrant now that that that's pretty much obsolete at this point but um and we also do um, we also can stop vessels on the waterway without probable cause just to do a, uh, a boat and safety inspection. So those are a little kind of I don't want to say more power, but they they kind of go over the scope of normal law enforcement duties that say a sheriff's deputy or a city cop or a trooper would mm-hmm. would, would handle. Um, but yeah, we're we're you know post certified peace officers in the state of Louisiana. We we went through a, a 28 week training academy that um, not only did we learn about wildlife, fish, game, and boating laws, but also regular laws and, you know, the eight-week um, class that, that all police officers go through. We went through that plus 20 weeks of, of the boating stuff, so uh, boating, game, and, and fish stuff. So, yeah, we um, – no, we don't have any more power, quote-unquote, than, than anyone else. We, but there is a few little tweaks in, in the law and things that we can do that a lot of time 99 i've never you know kicked someone's door open just to go look for deer meat in the freezers that's not yet never say never (laughs) man it's so easy to get a warrant you can get one online and if you you know if you've got if you've got enough reason to believe that someone's doing something so illegal that you've got to go kick their door down to get in it then you've got plenty enough probable cause and reason to believe yeah, you know, reasonable belief for a judge to sign a search warrant, and that that takes no time. So um, I don't foresee that happening. That maybe was a thing of the past in the seventies, eighties, maybe. I, I'm not sure, but uh, but no, we, you're not gonna you're not gonna see that. Well, that that's those were my questions because I, I when like I said when when I found out we were having you on, I wanted to kind of. Uh, remove the the fog that is around wildlife law enforcement from the general public because like yeah. i said there's people that are really close with you you say you get reached out to you 20 times a day on some days and then you got a whole other uh, um demographic of people that you're uh, like a ghost in the night you know right. never never seen you don't really believe you exist some really know you exist um and let me uh, tell you this let me tell you this the people that you hear about that say, "Oh, the game warden's out to get me and hate me," and, and you know they're always they're 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 up my sleeve all the time. I'll just say that that I get a lot of phone calls from them too. So don't don't let people like that fool. <laughs> gotcha. That's funny. Well, I I I think you've provided us a lot of information. Um, um I I guess. One thing, I, I don't really know how to ask the question, but I, I, in kind of a conclusion as we wrap up, I, I guess let's, let's just call you our local game warden for, for sake of the conversation. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what is, I guess, a message that, might, that you might have for people, you know, that are, that are loading up the truck tomorrow and heading to the camp for, for opening weekend? You know, from your, what would you like to tell people? Anything that you would like to say if, if you could kind of hold court? Or, uh... Man, first, yeah, first and foremost, just be safe. You know, there's so many things that can go wrong, um, you know, from climbing up a stand to, you know, being in the stand and moving around to climbing down uh, from a safety perspective that, you know, that, that's the, the main thing is be safe. 
the second thing is have fun. You know, bring your kids out there. Um, go with your family. Go with your friends. Let loose. Pop, you know, pop a beer open if that's what it's, it's, that's what your thing is, and uh, have fun. That's what that's what hunting's about. So that, you know, it's about the conservation of animals and and, uh, and and having a good time. So that those are my main two things. Um, just make sure, man, you can you can pick up a pamphlet from anywhere that you can get a hunting license, and and just read up on your laws. Make sure you know what you know what you should be doing and, and what licenses and, and gear you should have on you. And, um, and you know, like, like I said, um, have fun. That's, that's the main part. I, I love nothing more than the, you know, people, people may think, Oh, the game warden wants to pull up and write a hundred tickets. I love nothing more than to pull up at a deer camp and see a little 10 year old with his first deer. And I get off the truck and he runs up to me, come here, come here. Look what I did. I get to run over there and, and see his first deer. That's that's the best part. Yeah, that's of the job. cool. So, um, that's cool. Just, just have fun. You know, we we're there to do a job. You know, let us do our job, please. Get you know, let us check your licenses and and, and your bag and and not not search your. I'm talking about your bag limit and uh, you know your game and um, then after that we'll we'll stick around and shoot the bull, have a little fun. Uh, I, I do like to get invites to come eat gumbo later, so. Uh, <laughs> if, there it if, is. If y'all are the job. That, you know, whoever's listening, um, you know that just, just, I, I just urge everyone that that we're we're regular guys and girls too that that like to enjoy the outdoors, and we're not out to get anybody. We're just we're just there to do our job and, and make sure that that you know the wildlife that we that we cherish, and then they y'all cherish too are there for the next few generations. So, awesome. uh, great, with, uh, with that said, if 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 there is any other uh, things that you would like to talk to us about um, we have a 24-hour number 1-800-442-2511 and that is uh, that is operation game thief if you have any complaints um, anything of that nature you can call that number 1-800-442-2511 or you can go to our website uh, or the tip 411 website so uh, i'm not asking you to to be a rat but you know there, there's some things that people do that that just aren't right and, and that we need to know about. So, other than that, do I think you, that's all I've got. Do y'all have Do y'all have any open cases against a gentleman named Michael Pepper right come on, now? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't give out any of. I can't talk about I've, any open cases right. Now. I've heard I've heard <laughs> that he actually imported Wisconsin deer and in breeding them. Yeah, I was trying to him. wait my turn. I was trying to wait my turn, but I did want to say something towards your last question, Kyler, and Mason's answer to that. Several years ago, I, I'm not. I know we're trying to wrap up, but several years ago, you know, there was a lot of stuff said about us night hunting and all on Facebook. And what mm. I did is, since we film our hunts, I know three or four of them around here, uh, really close. Well, not really, really close, but somewhat close friends with them and have their phone numbers and everything and uh i called one of them and got him over to the house and pulled up all our film all our videos on computer just just had a we sat there for two hours looking at videos and all and, and jealousy uh, is a sad thing it is terrible. it is i bet you get a lot of that don't you mason we do just we do dude um, mad at his neighbor because he can't kill know, the deer his right. neighbor's killing that's right He's yeah. killing it at night, or he doesn't have a license, or, and then you go and you check the poor man, and he's doing everything right, and he just, you know, he just killed a deer that that the neighbor had on camera too. So, yep, it makes yeah. you sick. But, like I said at the beginning, it's you know you can't just overlook things like that. Yeah, sure. Well, that was it. Was a great conversation, Mason. We really appreciate the time. You, you, that was a lot of great insight, and, um, you know, I, I guess from us at Louisiana Bowhunter, you know, we just we're excited as we've all been sitting here talking about we're all hunting and and we know that probably everybody that listens to this podcast is probably going to make at least one hunt at some point here this opening weekend so you know just to re reiterate what you said be safe and enjoy it enjoy this weather man this weather is yep. awesome so even if you don't kill a deer i think everybody that truly loves what we do with our with our free time is going to enjoy i know when i climbed up in that lock on this this afternoon and and was getting set up, and that north wind was hitting me in the face. It just all felt right in the world. Man, what a feeling. Mm -hmm. It did. So, 
um, we're going to wrap up and um, wish everybody a fun and hopefully successful opening weekend. Thank you again, Mason and Michael, for jumping on here with us and doing this. And Oh, yeah. We'll uh, we'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. See y'all. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com. And if you want to help support Louisiana Bowhunter, go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise. If you don't have any at your local shop, let us know and we'll reach out to them. Or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day. See you next week.